So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Amanda Davison is the wife to a Minnesota farmer, mother of three, and president of the nonprofit A Wife Like Me. She is the co-author of Dear Wife, 10-Minute Invitations to Practice Connection with Your Husband, and national speaker, and serves on staff at her local church, where she and her husband lead the marriage mentor team. Former psychology professor, Amanda is now relentlessly sharing how her education and counseling and God's Word changed her life and marriage. You can be a part of the growing community of wives on Facebook or Instagram and can find many helpful resources for your marriage at awifelikeme.com. Without further ado, here's Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Rachel. Thank you so much for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us. No, thanks for having me. This is so fun. So of all the ways that I believe that we should give our love offerings, our marriages are at utmost priority, in my opinion. This topic is just so important and relevant. And so you have some resources for us that we're going to talk about today on this very topic. But to begin, you are a wife to a farmer and a mother of three, and you are quoted to say, that you are passionate about how God saved your life and saved your marriage. Would you expand on this statement for us? Mm. Well, I grew up knowing who God was, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him until I was 29. So uh, I was in, you know, I was, we were in church, we were praying, but I really didn't understand what it meant to um, surrender my life to Christ and, and, and have that relationship. So when I was 29, I was in grad school for marriage and family therapy. And I was so unhappy in my own marriage. And I was so frustrated. And I was thinking, you know, how am I going to finish grad school and help marriages when I'm going to be divorced myself? You know, I was wrestling with these thoughts of, I don't know how I'm going to live this, this out. And, you know, i I don't even know how I'm going to be able to save my marriage. I don't, I, I, everything I've been trying hasn't worked. So when I say he saved my life and my marriage, um, that last year of grad school, um, we had had two children that we were, or we had two children at the time. And um, I really, for the first time in a breaking point that I explain uh, in our book, I, I just, I, I was so frustrated that life was not how I thought it would be. And I just cried out to God because literally I had tried everything else. And I just said, you know, I don't know why this isn't working, but everything I've tried isn't like, he's not changing. My husband isn't uh, doing anything different. Granted, he was loving me so well, by the way, but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. enough. Um, And so in, in what happened to be, you know, just this really long conversation with God, uh, he really made it clear and prompted my heart that 
you're not, or he's not the problem, Amanda, you are. And mm-hmm. I need to, I need you to, I need you to come to me and figure out what I'm trying to tell you. And I was really confused and really uh, didn't know what that meant at the time. But essentially that, that weekend, I, I fully surrendered my life to Christ. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. I don't know. I don't know how to live um, anymore. I'm not finding the happiness that I've always wanted in my life. And so um, he saved my life um, that, that next year, really, I, for the first time opened my Bible and um, really just dove into what God was trying to tell me because I had never, I I just never knew um, what, I now know, and granted, there's still so much I don't know, but I'm just, um, he saved my life. He saved my marriage and that, um, I I'm sure. And I'm, I'm certain we would be divorced and I would be living a very different life now, uh, if it weren't for him. Yeah. Well now, because of your experience, you are a wife coach. Mm-hmm. So when did this coaching journey begin for you? About a year after the situation happened that, uh, again, I explain in our book and I'm very open about um, in, in on our ministry page, but about a year after that. So I, I you know, had graduated counseling, um, my, my counseling program, and I had spent that last year of my program just digging into what God was telling me. I was learning all of these tools and techniques through my counseling program, which were super great and, and helpful, um, but they were only helpful for a short period of time. And so that last year when I was, you know, kind of marrying what God's word says about us and marriage and everything in between, um, with my counseling background, he made it clear about a year after that he wanted me to share what he was teaching me with other women. So it was about a year after. Well, so I guess we, we've alluded to this quite a bit, but your heart and passion are obviously to improve marriage relationships. And um, could you expand further on what role faith plays in this journey? I mean, it, it's everything <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it, it really is. And, um, I, I obviously am dealing with, um, I'm talking with women every day who feel how I felt and sometimes still will wrestle with today. And I can confidently say, I mean, I, I love counseling. I love, I love all counseling. So, um, but I, I really did the tools and techniques I had learned through my own counseling journey too. I've, I've, I, again, I love counseling. I've been in counseling. I still am. And there are, there are so many things that um, the, the world teaches us that are healthy, that, you know, are, are even just secular tools and um, uh, relational techniques that are helpful for our own hearts and for healing and for, for forward moving progress. But when you ask what kind of role does faith play, it, it, it literally is everything. Um, but, you know, there's a difference still between where I was, you know, going to church, um, you know, believing I was a Christian um, and I knew I was saved, but I was not living my life. Um, my life was still for me. And mm-hmm. I was I was wanting to, to gain things for myself. I wanted myself to be to feel better, to be happier, to live um, a life that, where I felt good and fulfilled. Um, and so there's a difference between um, 
you know, experiencing God and um, believing that we have, um, that we're good with God and then actually wanting to live for him. Um, and so, yeah, there, it, it's, it has everything to do with experiencing the life that we desire to live here. Faith is, it's everything. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, now you are the founder of A Wife Like Me, and it's a community of wives who understand that wifehood can be a mix of messy, beautiful, exhausting, and exhilarating, and walking in this mix alone is not an option. So instead, you say that we need genuine relationship, real stories, and wife-changing truth. So at what point did you realize that women needed this type of community? You know, I realized it uh when I was struggling myself, I, I, I reached out to my friends. um, Some were wives, some weren't. Um, and I reached out to family, you know, when I was struggling in my marriage and I thought, I thought, you know, they'd maybe have something for me to help me when, what I found was not helpful. I I thought it was helpful. They were telling me what I wanted to hear. Um, Mm, and so that, you know, after coming, you know, on this living life on this side of with Christ now, um, I knew it was important back then because I wanted to find help. I wanted to feel different in my marriage. I didn't want to get divorced, but I didn't know what else to do to, to be able to feel like I was thriving and happy and fulfilled. So I thought that that was my only choice. And, but I wanted to know if there was a different way, but when I reached out to people, I, I, they were not able to offer anything, you know? Um, so being on this side with Christ now, I, I, um, it's, I ask a lot, I ask myself a lot of questions. Um, but some of the main questions are, you know, how was it that where I turned and where, what, what concerns me is that, um, we have so many wives feeling exactly how I felt, but aren't Mm -hmm. sharing it. Um, but if they are sharing it, they're sharing it with people who aren't able to offer them truth. Mm-hmm. And, and so the need for this community where women can come and, and, and feel safe and, and authentic um, with be able to be vulnerable with themselves and say, yeah, I'm, I am frustrated. I am struggling. I'm not happy or whatever the situation is. Um, and to be met with, honest truth, but loving truth is so important and it's so needed. So yeah, I've always felt that, but it's, it's very evident now. Yeah. I mean, it's just in my friendship relationships, I've, I've, I was thinking about where does our conversation usually gravitate to? Mm-hmm. And, and almost always it's family if we have children and marriage. So I'm interested to hear what has this community meant to you personally? That's such a good question. I think for me personally, it is so refreshing uh, to see what has, what is cultivated is women are, it's, it's been, it's sort of been a trickling effect where because women I'm going to try not to cry, but because women have come to our space, they have grown themselves. What I see happening now is when a wife will share something or need encouragement about something, oftentimes it's not me or it's, it's not 
anyone on our team offering support or encouragement or truth. It's someone from the community who has learned herself something because she's been there and now she's offering, you know, truth. And that has been like, that that's the goal, right? That it's not, it's not up to us. I never want it to be up to us when we're in ministry. We want to equip the people to be able to live and love and share the truth themselves. And so that has been like, I think behind the scenes, just um, my heart is so overflowing with, with just gratefulness because that's what, that's the, that's the goal. Right. And um, so that's been really, really um, incredible. Yeah. Well, one of your mission statements is to grow together, to become wives like Christ. What would you say a wife like Christ looks like and what steps can we take to attain his likeness? That's such a good question too. Um, You know, I think that, you know, although our ministry, this might sound, you know, counter uh, intuitive here or current, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Yeah, no, that, that's um, right, I think, yeah. Yeah, it, it might um, sound silly by me saying this, but, you know, we have a ministry for wives and we want marriages that are thriving. However, that's really not the goal. The goal is that we become, as children of God, that we become more like Christ um, because when we do that, our our hearts change in all of the roles that we have, we have mm. so many roles and we, we've been given, um, we've been given this life to live fully for him to make him known. And marriage is just one of those avenues in which we're able to do that. Um, so when we talk about becoming wives like Christ or becoming Christ-like, I, I really see it as a whole heart that it's not just going to look um, in, like this in our marriage, but that it, we would look like this in all the places we go, right. In all the relationships we have, but really, I think that when we do these things that there's no doubt about it, our marriage will change. Our marriage will grow. And so when I think of becoming Christ-like, um, as children of God, as daughters of God, we need to first just surrender to God. Um, becoming Christ-like means that we really release ourselves to God and to the handling of God to deal with. So um, we have to first just let go. Uh, I think back to myself and my story, I had to release my desire and my control in my uh, rigid view of what I wanted out of my marriage, out of life, um, out of my kids, everything. So, so we have to surrender and give up really uh, and realize it's not about me. It's about him. It's about um, God, but we have to want that. We have to want to, um, we have to want something bigger than just living for ourselves, which I believe we are um, created for. And so um, first we just have to really surrender our, our wants and our way um, for God to have his way in our life. And then, um, so I, I kind of view that as holding our, holding out our hands, like saying, here, God, take this. Um, I want nothing of me. I want only you in my life. So we do that first, and then I think um, we then have to turn from our life and turn to him and say, what do you want for me? You know, what do you have for me? Um, I don't want to be this type of wife anymore. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to 
turn to you only. I want to seek your face, your ways. And, um, and then finally really walking that out. Um, the hope in all of this, regardless of what kind of ministry we have, is that we are actually applying and living out the truth that we're, that we're hearing and that we're, that are, that's, that's saturating our hearts. And so when we hand over our way to God, we turn away from living the life um, that we've been living. Um, and that can be many things. It can be sin, strongholds, you know, you name it. And then actually start walking forward in spiritual growth um, then we will become Christ-like. Like that's the result when we do those things. And so um, Christ, being, becoming Christ-like is really emulating who Jesus is and how he walked this earth. And, um, but when we do those three things, we will become Christ-like. Yeah. You know, and I just, I was thinking as you were talking about where we really have to die to self. And then at, at the same time, it's just such a process and a daily decision, I think. And, and we, mm-hmm. we don't really arrive until he calls us home, you know, exactly. it's such an ongoing um, process, but um, I wanted to move on to your um, book that you just released. So you and a wife like me contributors recently released Dear Wife, and this book provides 26 heart changing invitations to discover how Christ desires connection with you. And through connection with Christ, you'll develop deeper connection with your husband. How would you suggest that we experience more depth in our marriages? get the book. <laughs> hey, that, that's an easy one to answer, right? <laughs> oh, I, I really, I am, I'm, I'm passionate about this question really because my, my, I, I want women and men, I want all, all of us to experience the fullness and the abundance that God has for us. Yes, in our marriages, um, but in all areas and in all relationships. But depth in our marriage begins with depth in our own soul with God. And Mm. if, you know, we can't have a marriage that is all that God created it to be with bypassing the relationship that created it. So we have to have depth in our own soul with God. We have to uh, be turning to God for everything and let God be God and our husband be husband um, in order for us to experience that depth in our relationships. But, you know, I think it, I think I meet so many women who are not honest with themselves or kind of afraid to admit just where they're at. So I think depth in anything we in order to have that, we need to be honest and vulnerable with ourselves and just be willing to say, you know what, I, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling sad. Whatever it is, we have to be willing to like come clean with ourselves and, and give that to God and let God deal with that in our hearts first um, and just cling to God and his word and get involved in life with him um, and with other believers so that we can grow in that area. And then we um, can experience more depth in our marriages by really aligning our marriage with the order God created it for and the purpose he created it for. Um, 
and recognize our marriage can only provide us with a certain level of depth, you know? Um, but we can experience more depth in our marriages when we are honest with ourselves, when we're humble um, with our shortcomings. That is one thing that is destroying marriages is just pride. And I see it in myself still. I have to, um, I have to relinquish that and, and, and call it out in myself uh, to God and to my husband often and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't humble in that conversation or that situation. And I'm sorry, I don't like that. I'm sorry. And um, so just being humble in marriage goes so far. (laughs) And, um, and then just we can experience more depth also just with intentional daily decisions um, to honor the other person in the relationship, whether it's our kids, our husband, our coworker, our friend. Um, But um, we have to move the needle uh, we have to actually put in intentional energy toward wanting more depth in our marriage and then actually doing something different because we can't get something different by doing the same thing. Um, so we, we have to really uh, honestly assess how we're feeling and then where we want to be and then make decisions to get there. I love how practical you, I mean, you're really giving us steps and tips to, 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 to have real change. And, and I love that. Um, so how do we replace if somebody maybe feels like their relationship is boring or um, they are just feel very busy? Um, how do we build deep, deeper intimacy and love in, in those situations? Mm-hmm. Well, I love that we get to look at Jesus and how he walked this earth and we learn so much from him. And, you know, he lived an unrushed rhythm of life first off you know um we can look at how he walked out relationships and people and how he related with people and we see certain um patterns and you know one again is just that he wasn't ever living outside of um, where god wanted him to be And so I think that's a huge issue of, you know, with us today, with the society and culture we live in there, there is so much pressure to keep up and to do all the things. And we have to stay so focused on um, observing the life of Christ. And he, so he, he lived in this unrushed rhythm and we should put energy and intention into aligning our schedules um, in a way that allow us to experience that same unrushed rhythm. And that looks different for each of us. Um, But we, again, it takes um, putting the brakes on everything and just honestly assessing our schedules. Um, But we also see that he was so present. Um, He wasn't rushed and he was also very present with people. And so again, I, what I see and what I'm um, recognizing in our culture today is our need you know we desire so much from the relationships we have from our marriages from friends and so on and so on we we want to see results we want this depth yet we are and we want deep intimacy and love yet we aren't always willing to do the work to experience that Mm. and 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 really it's it comes down to i believe self-discipline and and um exercising self-discipline, maybe learning it for the very first time, maybe it hasn't been modeled for us. Um, but, but really then intentionally practicing 
that discipline, you know, um, being present with people. Well, in order for me to be present with my husband, I have to turn my phone on silent. I have to leave it in the kitchen. I have to um, decide and say out loud to my husband, I'm not going to watch the office. I want to talk with you. I want to hear about you and how you're doing tonight so that he can hold me accountable. And so that I can Mm. say to myself, I'm not going to do that. It's easier to not invest in relationship and it's easier to not be present. It's easier to lay in bed on my phone and not sit up and look him in the eyes. So we have to practice that discipline of intentionality in the small things. And, and that creates intimacy. It doesn't have to be a trip to the Bahamas. Well, it could be, but um. (laughs) yeah, that'd be nice too. (laughs) Well, I'm interested to hear. So when you say here, I'm going to not watch this or I'm going to put my phone down. Does then your husband start to do the same? You know, you're modeling that behavior. And so he sort of catches on and turns off, you know, the NBA finals or whatever that your husband's into, you know. That's the hope, Rachel. (laughs) Something, too, that I'm very upfront about and very, I mean, we, we say this a lot at A Wife Like Me is we're not we're not doing these things hoping or so that our husband will our job is that we align our hearts and that we when we meet our maker that we can say i did everything i could i did it i did everything i could and uh, that we have nothing held back and so i sure obviously we would love for our husbands to turn off uh fantasy all the drafts or the whatever (laughs) you know and we would love for them to look deeply in our eyes and tell us all the wonderful things and care about our day and appreciate all the work we've done sure um that's not maybe gonna happen but that's not up to us and we can only control ourselves and and yes I do firmly believe because I have seen it in my own marriage I've seen it on our team their marriages we've seen it in countless marriages now is that when wives, when God gets a hold of a wife's heart and when wives start living truly for God and makes and starts living that out, that love out that they're receiving from God, it changes husbands. Mm -hmm. It changes marriages. It changes families. And so it, it, it does, but we don't want to promise that and we don't want to do it so that they will change, you know? Yeah. 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 Do what you can do. And you're right. It does. It transforms everything. So what insight would you provide to swap ongoing complacency with intentional connection? Mm. Just like I was saying, we have to become managers of our mundane schedules. We have to, if we want something different, we have to change something now. And it comes back again to that exercising self-discipline. Um, our most precious commodity is our time. And mm-hmm. so if, if we're feeling bored and complacent and we're doing the same thing every day, well, then we have to change something every day. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, um, yeah. we, we become complacent and, and bored and mundane when things aren't changing. That's the definition of that. That nothing yeah. is, nothing is different. Nothing is different about, the next day and the next day and the next day. And so that's a really encouraging thing because really it it takes such a small change for it to not 
for, for it to no longer be the same. Uh, and so it, it doesn't, again, I also am such a proponent, such an advocate for the small micro moments of our days. And uh, it can literally be sitting down instead of doing the dishes. Like literally, mm. it can be yeah. that simple. It can be, honey, I'm going to go take a bath. Um, I'll meet you upstairs. Like, right. That simple. It can be that simple. It can be after the kids go to bed, you want to have some ice cream and watch a show. Yeah. Instead of sit on our phones in bed and be quiet. Like it can be so simple, but anything different will break up complacency. So it again goes back to that intentionality and caring enough to have that result than just staying the same. Yeah, it's it's like we've overcomplicated it, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So would you give us some practical advice to spend alone time with our husbands and with God? I love this. I was listening to Jill Briscoe this last summer. Oh, I love Jill Briscoe. Oh, I know. And she was just, she was so cool. And she was talking. She is so cool. I feel like we're friends, but she doesn't yeah. know. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but, um, you know, she was saying that, uh, who are we to say what your alone time with God should look like? Because we were each created so uniquely and so differently that, you know, um, it might be that, you know, someone has a, the most precious alone time with God while they're running. Um, whereas someone else it's, it's, it looks very different. Okay. So, um, I don't ever like to give like a prescription for this, but again, what I do think is so powerful is, is when we look at Jesus, how did he, how did he, how did he experience that connection with God? How did he uh, live out alone time? And we see time and time again, he went away. He went away. He left the people. He left the people, his people. Mm-hmm. And he, and to have a alone time with God. And I, that can be in the basement. That can be at a retreat. Um, it can be at a hotel. It can be in our closet. So, but he went away to be alone. And so it's removing ourselves in some fashion to be able to have that intimacy alone time with him so just physically removing ourselves from other people um jesus also prayed and i mean he prayed he prayed he went away Mm. and and he prayed and so he had conversation ongoing conversation with the father and so he actually lived out you know the alone time with with god by by people and then he just applied that so i think it's the same thing we experience um we will experience that precious alone time by uh, removing ourselves from people so that we can be alone with god so that we can have that precious intimacy with him in those unseen moments where no one is around and um that's that's precious and then also with our husbands it's the same i mean we jesus went away to be alone with god to create connection we do the same with husbands after our kids are in bed go downstairs go lock the door um schedule date nights um and pray with him be alone yeah. and pray with your husband pray for him pray with him pray for him um and really it's it doesn't have to be some elaborate way but alone time is literally alone time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I love all this. And so um, 
for maybe for women that need to restore or build connection with God and their husbands, what tips would you recommend for, for the women feeling that way? I would honestly, I mean, I, I, I would get the book. I would get Dear Wife, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We really wanted wives to experience a relationship, maybe for the first time, possibly with, with God. Um, but then also we challenge wives to go and actually practice that connection with their husbands. And um, we invite, we invite wives to experience connection with God first. And then we challenge them to go and initiate connection in some way with their husband. Um, So I would, I would start there. Well, you know, we mentioned your book, but I don't know that we dove in specifically. Would you tell listeners, you know, so it's, it's basically you've got how many contributors? 26. Is that right? Yes, on the on a wife like me's website, but to the okay. book we we had a total of, of set. There were seventeen writers that collaborated on Dear Wife. Okay, and they're all writing a letter to to say literally, Dear Wife, this is my recommendation or suggestion or experience or um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the tricky part I had really honestly we 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 pull every wife that comes into the a wife like me facebook gathering group so we ask them all the same questions and so we've taken input from more than 2000 wives who you know we ask what are you struggling with what do you what do you wish you had in your marriage that you don't have and across the board 73% of those wives said i want more connection i want alone time with my husband and so you know, when, when we were seeing those responses come in, I was kind of like frustrated by that because I thought, well, that's a simple, quick fix, right? Mm, It's, it's just, you know, simple. I mean, let's, let's schedule time. If we want more time, let's schedule time. But we found that it was much a deeper issue than that. And in that we aren't even, we can't experience a relationship we want with our husbands if we aren't first experiencing the relationship that God wants us to experience with him. And so we had to look at how Jesus really connected with people. How did he connect with people? And so through that, yeah, we came up with 26 different um, invitations of how Jesus walked this out himself. Um, We're not coming up with things. This is how did Jesus create connection? And then how can we experience that same connection with him, with God, and and then um, initiate it with our husbands? Yeah. You know, as we're, t- I know that our main conversation is about the, the Lord and our husbands, but I'm thinking about even applying these same principles with our children, with mm-hmm. our parents, with our friends. I mean, I think this could really, the way we are associating with, in our relationships, this could go across the board. Um, but then um, I also think one of the issues with marriages, for me at least, is, you know, we grow up with these fairy tales and we watch in Hallmark and I feel like it creates a little bit of like misconceptions of romance and how marriage should be. So what would you say um, concerning these misconceptions? Oh, a lot. I, it's, it's honestly, it should concern us as a a community of women listening um, or men uh, listening. It should be so concerning. We have got to get so good at discerning what culture tells us we should get out of people in marriage. Um, But then also what God promises we can experience if we 
are actually living for him and um, serving each other as he calls us to. So there's this, you know, there's a hope that we have in wanting a full and strong and deep marriage, which God, which we can experience again, if assuming both people are healthy, there's no mental illness, addiction, abandonment, or abuse. Um, and that both people are, are living for the Lord. It's possible. We, we can have a stronger, deeper connection absolutely within our marriages. But the, 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 I think what the enemy is using to distort, um, our expectations in the culture is just so strong that I don't even think we, uh, as Christian women are even picking up on it at times. Um, it is, it is so concerning. And so I think we just have to be really good at uh, being mindful, practicing, you know, just the practice of mindfulness, um, in, in catching ourselves. If we, I mean, I, oh, I, we talk about it. We wrote a post, um, on Valentine's day that, you know, um, it's so easy to get frustrated with our husbands because they're not, you know, we're seeing friends post pictures of, you know, bouquets of flowers or whatever. Um, and that's not that that's bad, but we have to be so careful and, and stay so glued to God and, and, and so focus on his face that, um, that there's no even hint of having an expectation, um, at all from our husbands, if that makes sense. Now, um, any, I kind of explain it as a cake. Well, I guess you could say any dessert, but I love Dairy Queen. I love ice cream. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So, um, I see it as an, if you could choose any dessert you you want, excuse me, mine would be, excuse me, um, a, a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. So if, if I look at that cake, God is my cake. Like he's the whole cake. Okay. And it is so, 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 so good. Like, I love that. That is everything. That's so good. Now, like the decorations or some sprinkles or some, like some icing on there. That's like my husband, my kids, mm-hmm. community, like friends. It's pretty. It, yeah. It's, it's pretty. Like it makes it like m- maybe more appealing, but it doesn't change the cake. Yeah. Like nothing about it has changed the cake. Uh, and so I, I just feel like we have to get so good at teaching our children and our friends that, that we have, we have, you have a cake, you have a cake Mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, the cake is not the movies. It's not, but that, that, you know, we just don't have that. Our message has to become so much stronger than that of the culture. And, um, that's what we're trying to help with, but we have to really be mindful about it, be aware of, of, of it in movies and songs and all the places, even in ourselves, yeah. and then um, call it out and just get good at remembering that we have our cake. Yeah. And everything else is just icing on that cake. <laughs> right. Yes. Have you ever tried the treats of pizza? Oh, Dairy Queen. That's, so that's good. actually that's actually my favorite. But it's yeah, plug so for Dairy good. Queen. <laughs> so at the root of it all, what do you think that every wife really wants? Mm-hmm. I think every wife, every woman, um, I think wants to be seen, and I think 
I think she wants to have value. Mm. I, I, I think she wants to mean something, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. to be important. And um, I think it's at the heart of us to be known and wanted, you know. Um, I so often think of the story of Hagar in Genesis. Um, I think of how she didn't feel seen and she didn't feel wanted she felt used and in the way and she was sick of it and Mm. she she goes away she flees she leaves that she's so done with that and that's where she meets with God and she she says to God you know I have now seen the one who sees me and what I love is what happens after that she goes back she has to go back. Um, the angel of the Lord said that you need to go back to this same place where she came from, where she felt so unseen. And yet she, she went back willingly. And um, I love that because, um, again, we don't know the details of what Hagar was going through. But for our own hearts, when we feel seen, when we finally uh, acknowledge and experience the God of the universe, that he chose you, he loves you, and that there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing that could ever change that. Nothing you ever have done, are doing, or could do that would change his love for you. Um, it, it is so refreshing. And we are able then to live in relationships different because of that knowledge and that confidence. And so I think that um, my hope is that, you know, women will experience that um and know that they are so seen and loved yeah that's beautiful amanda well the love offering was created to share god's love in tangible ways to the world around us in what ways can we best show our marriages and our husbands love tangibly i love that question and this is what i would say to that i would say ask your husband Mm. (laughs) you know it's um, different for everybody yeah it it really is and I think we'd be surprised but I think actually it's such a good practice I encourage wives often to ask their husbands certain questions um and one of them you know what am I doing what what am I not doing now that you would like me to do how can I how what can I do that would show you that I love you and I love hearing the responses that husbands say but more often than not, women are so surprised that that's it. Mm. Like, that's all you really, um, for example, years ago, when I asked my husband that he said, just, just be happy to see me when I come home. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) I can't, I can't, I can do that. Like really? Wow. And, but I think really, honestly, it is just asking them, how can, how would you, how can I love you in a tangible way? We might be surprised, we might not, but it, um, I think it's really an important question. So I, I would just ask your husband. Yeah, opening up that communication. Yeah. Well, this podcast was designed to celebrate and catalyze extraordinary givers. So Amanda, who has been an extraordinary giver in your life? Mm-hmm. The most extraordinary giver in my life um, was my grandma. And mm. she gave in so many ways, but... Um, what I love again, you just said tangibly and, or you asked about a tangible way we can, we can love. And what I love about um, 
so many people that are similar to my grandma, the way she loved most and in just a tangible way is her presence. And um, she never, I was not a believer when she was alive, but uh, she always loved me so well and never made me feel bad that I wasn't walking with the Lord. Yet she showed me Jesus um, in how she was so present with me and listened to me and took such great care and concern for me um, and, and never made me feel bad that I wasn't walking with the Lord. Yet she had a very strong relationship with God. And I knew that, um, but she, she gave in so many ways. If she had something to spare, she, she didn't keep it. She, she gave even when they didn't, she, you know, she'd give away, you name it. She was always giving um, something tangible to meet a need, uh, you know, of, of, of whether it's money or a good or whatever. They didn't even have much, but they, she was always looking to give. Um, but really an extraordinary giver just in how she was so present of her, with her time and her energy. What do you think that wives need most from their husbands? And what do you think husbands need most from their wives? And then if you don't care to follow that up with, how can we give extraordinarily to one another? Mm. Well, research actually shows, you know, husbands need (laughs) most, they need respect and they need sex. Um, And I asked my husband and and actually I was interviewed a while ago and and they said, is there, what else is, what else are we missing? Is there something else that they're, that they want or need? And so it was funny. I asked him, you know, is there anything else besides respect and sex that you need from me and that you think men need? And he looked at me and he said, no. They're not too complicated, are they? <laughs> no, they're really not. They're really not. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, it is funny, and not everyone fits that mold. Not ev- not yeah. every man, you know. That's we don't want to overgeneralize, but I think for the most part, it is. It, they're pretty simple. They have their boxes that God's God made them differently than they did than God made us women, and so for them, it really oftentimes is that simple. We respect them, honor them, admire them, lift them up and, and really be willing to meet their needs sexually. Um, and they'll be pretty happy oftentimes. So, um, and for women, we crave, uh, it's funny that God made us this, but research shows that we crave and we need non-sexual affection. Yeah. And that that's a deep need for us. And yet men are these sexual beings, you know? And so there's that clash and, um, yeah. How do you balance that? Yeah. And again, it's communication. It's, you know, oftentimes if men's sexual need is being, if they, if it is being met, they're more likely to show non-sexual affection. Um, um, but, So we want that and we want um, just to be loved and to be seen and appreciated. And so, again, it goes back to um, healthy communication, um, expressing our need in a loving and respectful way and and making sure that we're actually first getting that from God um, so that it's not an, an unhealthy expectation we have on our spouse. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, after hearing your story and and all of your great wisdom, I'm sure women are going to want to be a part of your A Wife Like Me community and and keep in contact with you. So how can they best do that? Yeah, we have content always on awifelikeme.com. Um, but then also we're heavy on Facebook, um, just at a wife like me. And then our closed group is a wife like me gathering. Um, so we would love for women to be a part of it. We're always looking and, you know, we want to hear women's stories. We want, I think of us as a big group of friends. Like I love these women and I haven't met, you know, 90% of them, probably more. (laughs) but I just, you know, I think that's also what we're cultivating is just a friendship and it is so fun. If it's not fun, we don't really want to do it. Um, so we're just, we're having so much fun learning and growing and being, um, just on the same journey together. So a wife like me.com and then on Facebook, a wife like me. Well, I will include those links in the show notes, but Amanda, thank you so much for your authenticity and you know, it's brave. You're brave and have a lot of courage to even to share your story. So I appreciate your willingness to do that. And I admire your heart for marriages and believe that it really is making a difference in the lives of many families. God bless you. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you for what you're doing. This is so fun and so important. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us his love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in him and that we share his love with others. The hope of the love offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has he surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time. Thank you.